0: Thank you so much. I understand there's some familiar faces. Andy Rushton, are you here? Hey, good to see you, man. Um, My beard's also gone a little bit greyer since we used to be on team together back in Melbourne. Um, Thank you so much for your generosity, for your generosity in prayer, in spirit and everything that you invest into what we do. Uh, The work is significant and um, it's so special to be a part of something really unique that God's doing um, in other parts of the globe a little bit about me. Um, This next slide will be my family coming up. Um, I have a grown-up family now. Um, There's obviously me in the middle. They clearly take after their mother with their good looks. Um, But you've got uh, the two boys at the back on the... Right is my eldest, Bailey. He's just got engaged recently to Jade, who's right in front of him. Uh, right in front of me is Isabel. So he's he's a sparky. Um, Isabel is studying to be a chiropractor. And Jordan up the back there is our youngest. He's Mr. Entrepreneur. So I think we've got our retirement covered somehow. You know, electricians, they do well Chiropractors do well And entrepreneurs hopefully do well So, uh, and that's um, my wife, Jill in the middle And Mattia down on the right-hand side Or left-hand side underneath Jordan So there's my family I love to brag about them They're pretty special I rate them They're good, alright <laughs> um, I've had the privilege over many years now Of ministry to do ministry in a lot of different places I've been to China, USA, Myanmar, Thailand Amongst a number of other countries as well And there's one story that stood out to me. I met her a few years ago, this this young woman. She's part of what we're involved in now. And uh, I'm going to call her Sarah because that's not her name, but it's easier for me to pronounce. Sarah is this young, not so young, probably mid mid to late 30s. Um, She stands about this tall, very, very unassuming when you meet her. Uh, You wouldn't think a whole lot about it. But one of the things I love doing is saying, tell me your story. What's been happening for you? How did you get to this place in time and in life? And through an interpreter, I heard her story, and it was horrific. This woman um, first got married to someone that's in a community where, where arranged marriages is the norm, so she got married to her first husband, and it didn't work out. Uh, he, he wasn't a good man, and they separated fairly quickly. The stigma around being a, a divorcee suggests that it makes uh, even harder to get a second marriage, so um, they organised a second marriage for her, married another person, had a couple of kids... Finances were tight, so he went to another place to generate income for their family. While he was there, he contracted HIV-AIDS. And then when he came home, that stigma didn't just affect him, it affected her and her family. He soon passed away from that. She didn't contract it, by the way, but the stigma was there. The family ostracised her, sent her away with her children out of the stigma of being ill, but also... The fact that they didn't want her to kind of take his inheritance So this woman was pretty much forced back to go live with her family Destitute, no money and met one of our workers She fell in love with Jesus And, and, um, and soon this worker saw a call of God on this woman's life And said you've, you've got a call of God on your life You need to do something about this Why don't you go and get trained So as a woman now with a couple of teenage kids She went to one of our centres, was trained for 12 months While her children were being taken care of by her family this woman now leads about five, I think, five or six different communities. The amount of people in those communities who are first-time believers, we would describe as a megachurch here in the West. It is unbelievable to see what God is doing through this woman who, who was in her community, had no value, who had no worth, yet through Christ has significant value and significant worth and is doing amazing things. Let me just remind you, you're part of that story because of your prayer and your partnership. I grew up in a Church of Christ. I'm a Church of Christ pastor still, so I love I love coming to churches of Christ. I get to speak in different places and everyone has their different theme and flavor, but when I come to a church of Christ, it's like, yeah, I'm home. This is pretty cool. The Church of Christ I grew up in was where Andy and I were on team a place that's now known as Discovery Church in the Outer Eastern suburbs of Melbourne, and I turned up there in 18, 1983. I was like, in grade three, Um, if you want to do your maths, for those people who are trying to work out how old I am now, because I said that I'm 47, I'll make it easier, let's just continue to talk about the message. I grew up in this church that grew at a great rate of knots. You know, when I started attending there, we were at a high school hall, and, and, and previous to my going there, it had gone from a few dozen to a few hundred. And God was doing amazing stuff. This thing was growing. It was insane what God was doing. There was so much joy when people came to the services. You couldn't deny that God was doing something special when we were in the services. You know, they did some weird stuff, especially for churches of Christ. Like, there was, there was like, at times, there was dancing because people were so joyful about what god was doing there were stories of the miraculous happening there was even a group of people with tambourines down the front do you remember tambourines in church can i let you in a little secret i may have owned a tambourine i was a young impressionable kid all right but i reckon i could still shake one i reckon i've got it sorted but there was it wasn't about the tambourines it was about the fact that God was doing something so special. This church grew from a few hundred to what was a few thousand. We built a, a building in the outer eastern suburbs and we were able to do it debt-free because of God's provision. We, we all sold our stuff to, make, to buy materials and we made mud bricks and built this building. And, and it was such a special, special time. Now the interesting thing is when I look at the churches in that area, we were kind of like the outlier There was a number of other churches in our community. Churches who believe the same stuff. They believe who Jesus is. They have the same Bible. They'll often sing the same songs. They'll go through the same process on a Sunday, yet they weren't growing. You have to ask the question, or at least I found myself asking the question, why? Why? Why is it that our church was going crazy? In a good way, a bit weird, but in a good way, yet many others were going, doing quite the opposite. Why was it that our church was growing while others weren't? Why is it that churches in the East right now are flourishing under some of the most harsh persecution you could ever imagine? Places that if you make a decision to follow Jesus, you lose everything. Yet the church is growing at a great rate of knots. The church in China is going crazy right now. Why? Why is it that in some places the church, God's church, Christ's bride is growing and in others it's not? You know, I have a privilege um, over the last little while to visit a number of different churches and get to know a lot of denominational leaders. And, and again, I, I ask the question, how's your group going? How's your churches going? What's happening? What's, what are you, where are you seeing God work? Where are your challenges? And I was chatting to a particular leader of a denomination. They have about 130 churches. And I said, how's it going? And he said, well, Simon, it's pretty interesting. Because in our movement, there's about 30% of our churches that are kind of healthy. That are doing some good stuff and they're heading in what we think is the right direction. About 40% of our churches, yeah, it could go either way. Like, you know, they a bit of help and we can move them to a healthy place. But without any kind of intervention, they could end up being unwell and about 30% of our churches are due to die and if I can add to that some need to die why is it that there's such disparity in the churches right now in the last few years McCrindle and the National Church Life Survey have done some research and reviews of of the church you know what they found they found that for every 100 believers only one person gets baptized per year on average I mean, baptism is the most significant part of the journey of faith as a follower of Christ. It's this declaration moment where you've made the decision to follow Jesus. You've gone through the waters of baptism, which means I'm I'm making this decision. This is it for me and forever. There's a real sense of the past being washed away and the new being born again. There's this really significant moment as a follower of Jesus to get baptised, yet The most significant transformational part of a follower of Jesus is only one for every hundred in Australia on average. One. And you know that one is often the child of a person that's grown up in the church anyway, just making their own decision, their own faith declaration. The church in the West has been in decline for the last seven decades, 70 years worth of decline generally why is it that some churches are going well and others are not what's the difference you know look at our context where I work we've, we've done the math back through history and we've worked out that for every person that makes a decision to go out and start um, to, to be trained and start new communities there's 1,120 people who've joined their community within 10 years you multiply that out the church in the east is going crazy, the church in the west we're struggling. Why? Why is the disparity so real? I think it comes down to focus. To focus. Not so much the idea of focus, the meaning of focus is the the center of interest or activity. I'd also add to that it's actually the, the direction of our focus. As followers of Christ, we can we can focus on things That are great, or we can focus on things that don't serve the kingdom. The direction of our focus is so important. Now we've got to start with God. What's his focus? His focus hasn't changed. I believe God's primary focus is to see humanity drawn back to himself. You know, he created us with a plan and a purpose. He knows who we are. Well, you're not here by chance. Every person born in this world is not here by chance. They're created with a plan and a purpose, and God's desire is to draw all of humanity back to himself. In fact, it's his desire, and that desire is so strong, he made a significant change to who Jesus was. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus was always there and always God. Eternal. A moment in time came. The Christian word for this is incarnation. It means to be clothed with humanity. Jesus himself transformed from being all God, eternal, to all God, but also clothed in humanity. For the primary purpose of seeing an opportunity for you and I to be restored back to him, to be the perfect sacrifice for us. God's focus has always been about the restoration of humanity. You look through the Old Testament, you see this. You see they see the Old Testament pointing to Jesus. You know, through the Psalms, through the stories, through the narrative of God's people, the cycles of, of sin and judgment and restoration and healing that goes through the narrative of the Old Testament. The prophets were whispering, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. God's people would be looking for the Messiah. And then Jesus came. He lived the perfect life. He died the perfect sacrifice. He ascended again and now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me. And Jesus' focus was on to the world and his mission. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament points to Jesus and his mission. And I think we can sometimes forget that. There's four different focuses, I think, that we as followers of Christ, particularly churches, Can find ourselves, and I've observed all of these in my travels over the last little while. It's really interesting. The first focus is this one it's up only. We focus on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. There's songs written about that. It's all about Jesus. I'm not going to sing it. But it's all about Jesus, the way he lived his life. I don't need to attend church because it's all about my relationship with Jesus. That's all that really matters. My relationship with Jesus. The focus up only. Yeah, that's important. It's super important. But if we look at the life of Jesus, if we listen to the words he says, I would say yes. And Matthew 28:18. Matthew 28:18 is like the last words we hear from Jesus before he ascends. I don't think the writer put it in that spot by accident. Matthew 28:18, let me read it to you. It should come up on the screen behind me. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, this is a charge to his disciples and us, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. Luke picks this up in Acts 1 8, slightly different but the same thing. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This beautiful image of Jesus not saying, Go and do the work, but saying, The Holy Spirit will be with you. Just follow his lead. But take some active intent. Focus in the areas that I would want you to focus on. Just to be super clear, this isn't about salvation. Salvation is a free gift that comes through Christ and who he is and what he's done. But as a follower of Jesus who's been saved and knows the importance of that for our own lives, why would we not want to share that with others? Why would we want to hold that to ourselves? Why would it all only be about me and Jesus when there's so many people in our worlds that don't know that freedom? The next focus that I've seen in churches is In only. You see this as churches kind of progress through the years and and, and it becomes, you know, one day they were doing some wonderful things and and then they start to really enjoy what they've created and then it becomes about making sure that I'm happy and making sure that my seat's safe for me and making sure the place looks how I want it to be. This focus of a church that becomes in only is a very sick church. Believe me, they're out there. It's all about me. I heard a church, a story of a church recently. Beautiful building in an affluent area in, in Melbourne. Those that would have built this building would have done it with so much love and reverence for who God is. With the hope and the, the, the anticipation that generations to come would see this building as a place that would gather people to come and get to know Jesus. You fast forward a generation or two, And this building is now controlled by a dozen people who've got family heritage. Some may not even be classed as followers of Jesus, the way they act and the way they talk and the way they live their lives. Yet they have the authority over this building. What was once this thriving community of people who love Jesus and want to reach the community around them has become a social club. The focus in only is a dangerous one. The next focus is out only. And we see this in not-for-profits. Some amazing not-for-profits that have been that have started here in Australia that, that started because a group of believers said, we need to do something for our community. There's, there's homeless people, there's sick people, there's widows, there's orphans. Let's do these things together to serve them because that's what Jesus has asked us to do. You fast forward a generation or two and they're still doing the good stuff. But they've missed the very reason why they were doing it in the first place. They've forgotten about Jesus. They've forgotten about the reason as to the why behind the what. It breaks my heart. Because you can help people on this earth today, and we should do that. It's our opportunity and our responsibility as the followers of Jesus. But if we never give them the opportunity to hear why, and they die and live eternity without him, it's devastating. A focus out only is not at all what we're called to do and be. The next focus is this one, and I think this is the most dangerous. It's up and it's in. We gather in places like this and we come together and we worship Jesus because he's the reason why we're here. But then we start to get a bit frustrated when the young pastor comes in and changes stuff. You know, how many churches have a communion table that has to be here? And when you ask them why, because that's where the communion table goes. You can't move that. When you've got people with what was beautiful in the 60s and 70s, no longer serving the purpose and it's looking tired, but you can't change that baptismal, because that's really important. You can't sit in my seat, because my great aunt Betty paid for those pews. That's my seat. You know, I remember (laughs) um, back in the day, on staff at a church that... Andy might know about a long time ago. And these people were ready to leave the church. They were devastated. They were angry at the, the decision that the worship leader made. It's always the worship leader or the youth pastor, right, Jairo? They were angry at the decision that the worship leader made. You know what they, the worship leader did? You ready for this? They sung Chris Tomlin's version of Amazing Grace. Yeah, Ooh. <laughs> Like Amazing Grace, it's a beautiful historic song and Chris Tomlin felt directed by the Lord to add some verses in there about chains being gone and being set free. For many it was a really beautiful moment but these people were so offended. How could you do that? I'm sure that the original version of that song meant a lot to them. But when we're focused up and in, it gets dangerous. We become all about insiders. That's when we start to sing weird songs about you know blood and sacrifice and sheep being destroyed which are good, but with no context, it doesn't make sense. That's when we have services where stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, and you see people coming in, and if you get a new person coming to a church like that, they're like, all right, what am I doing here? Is this Olympic sport? What's going on? Stand up, sit down. Okay, no, all right. okay, now we're singing about blood and lambs being slain, and that's a good thing, all right. And then what happens after the service is, well, during the service, they get said, hey, anyone new here, put your hand up. And of course, it's great for the extroverts, but the introverts hate it. And they've got people you know, welcoming them with the holy hug pre-COVID and then they get taken out the back and given a, a cup of international dust to welcome them in a little room by themselves with an awkward person who's there on, on welcome that week. We become so about us, we forget about those we're trying to reach. We forget about those in the community. We get caught up in a moment of time that was really good and special and forget about moving with the times. We become focused about Jesus, but it's all about us. We become self indulgent and we become entitled. And coming to church actually becomes about what God can do for me. The focus I think that is the most healthy as I look at different churches is the focus that is up and out. All about Jesus, all about what he has done, all about his mission and how we can serve. Once again, Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Let's just do that. Let's just do that. Let's just focus on that. And whatever else happens around that, the peripheral of that, well, you know, we'll work it out. But let's just focus on that. A church that focuses up on God and and on the community around them recognises it's not about me, it's about God. As a leader of a church, it wasn't about me, it's about him. What do you want, Lord? What do you want us to do? I know Jeff is the same. What do you want us to do, God? Wow, that's going to be different. How do I take this church on the journey of transitioning from the way that we were to the way that we need to be to respond in the way that God's asking us to do that? Because it's all about him and it's all about his community. When we focus... Truly, on God and his community. And that's a corporate thing, but it's also a personal thing. And we, we've got it the hardest in the West, I'll give you the tip right now. Because everything about us is all about us. Every bit of advertising, you need this new thing, you need that new thing. Make yourself happy, take your time. You know, there's, there's things going around at the moment of... of Quitting without quitting, I saw on social media recently, which basically means you do your job, but you don't do anything extra. You just do what you're paid to do. I'm not going to get into the, the stuff around that, but it's all about me. What do I want? What do I need? When we focus on God and we focus on his call, we see him do great things. You know, when I think about the church that I grew up in, it, it was, there were was some weird times looking back. But the leaders were doing what they felt like God was calling them to do and to be in that time and just respond to what the Holy Spirit was doing. We were focused up on God and we were definitely focused out. You know, at 12, I went on my first missions trip to China. At 16, I went on my second missions trip to India. I saw God do and see see things, you know what I mean, that I couldn't explain for any other reason and I took that back home with me. We were, we were doing heaps of work in different countries around the globe. Um, our senior pastors at the time set up these life Keys ministries to serve the local people, to help people resolve um, issues in their own lives so they could live better lives. There was this idea of what can we do to serve the community outside here. I remember this moment, this defining moment, I believe. Our church, um, we, we had 11 acres. We were going to buy the farm next door, the lemon farm, we called it. And the idea was that the church would come together take up a love offering and try and buy that outright. Um, At that point, land was a little cheaper than what it is today, but that was the goal. There was a faith offering. From what I understand, our pastor had been building this for a number of weeks. A week or two before, we had a guy called Jeff Hammond come to visit us. He was working in Indonesia and talking about the plight of the Indonesian church. He was talking about the fact that there's Indonesian Christians being persecuted and killed, and we needed to, to buy a block of land to be able to put something there for them to live safely Alan was convicted my pastor at the time called the elders and said I think we need to change our focus we, we, we need to buy land but not our own land and the elders all agreed so that I'm told and I wasn't there at the time but I'm told the next morning Alan got up and said to the church you've come today preparing for an offering for us to buy the land next door our invitation is shifting we believe that the Lord is asking us to buy land yes but in another country that will have no personal benefit to us but we need to do this for our brothers and sisters around the globe from what I'm told that was the biggest offering that was ever taken in the church at that time the land was purchased I've seen some of the fruit of that since I've been to Indonesia and, and God, God did something amazing there and our church benefited because I think God said you know what you want to focus on what I want to do no worries let's do that guess what we got to buy the block of land a couple of years later And right now we're talking about what that can look like. In fact, the the government have just changed the boundaries around what we can use it for. So now it's more open to what we might be able to use it for for us and the generations to come. Our focus is on Jesus and he's blessing and growing what we're doing locally. Now if I think about you today and if I think about this moment in time for you individually, I'm going to ask you to do A couple of things. Just think about something for yourselves. And I might ask, Jairo, do you want to join when you're ready, mate? God is at work. He is. I can tell you right now, He is. He is globally. And he, He is locally. He actually wants to see your family and friends saved. Those that don't know Him in your world... He's actually desiring for them to come into relationship with him. And you know what I think it needs? A community of believers who truly, deeply say, well, this isn't about me, not my needs and wants. It's about Jesus and his mission. And that's what I'm here for. We can do that personally. You know, what does it look like to, to talk to your neighbours? What does it look like to let them know that you're a Christian and not a tambourine playing weird one like I used to be? Unless tambourine's your thing, and I'm not going to get into that. But what does it look like to ask questions? How are they going? Like my, my neighbor, we've moved into our house four months ago. I spoke to my neighbor, he told me he's got sciatica, and I just said to him, Look, I'm one of those weird God botherers, I'll pray for you. And he went, All right. It took a step of courage. Because I don't know what he's going to think of me about that. But I care that he doesn't know Jesus. What about the people in your world? Your neighbours? The person you bump into all the time at the coffee shop or at work? What does it look like to be available to them? To be a witness for them? To share what God's doing in your life? You know, being a witness isn't about knowing everything. It isn't about knowing the 10 steps to see someone walk across the room. Being a witness is purely this. Seeing or experiencing something and telling someone else, with no expectation of the outcome. Hey, this is what God's been doing for me. Don't have all the under, don't understand why. Trust that the Holy Spirit be working in them. Be available for questions as they come up, without declaring answers necessarily. But listen, what would it look like if a group like this truly believed that our job is to be witnesses to those around us? And then when the time comes to take them on a journey of discipleship, all that is is walking life with them. You know, again, we've been taught too much. We know too much. We know so much we don't feel like we're capable of doing it ourselves. I don't know all the Bible verses. I don't know the steps to take. What if they ask me difficult questions? All that making you disciple is is simply this. Hey, I'm on a journey getting to know Jesus. Do you want to come with me? Let's work this out together. Let's do life together. That's what our workers do. That's why we've seen another 1,500 sent out this year. Because they do life with people. Where is your focus? Where is your focus? I'm going to just pray over you really quickly if that's okay. So I'll just ask you to close your eyes because I just want you to have a little time to process. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. I just want you to think about it in your own mind. In this room, in this moment, if you think about your focus, can you truly say it's on God and his mission? Is your focus the way you live your life truly in alignment with Christ's? it is, awesome if it's not my challenge is this, what are you going to do about it this week do you need to invest some intentional time with Jesus do you need to talk to someone and be accountable for that do you need to recommit yourself to him I don't know that's between you and him Jesus we thank you that who you are and the whole reason that you came to earth was to reconcile us back to God the Father that your focus has always been on restoration and humanity back to yourself we thank you for that Lord help us in a place where we have so much where we're given so much where we have so much opportunity help us Lord God to stay true to you to the focus that you would have us Well, I pray for my friends here today I pray for moments this week where they get that Holy Spirit prompting to say something to be a witness, to do something, to love someone, to give something, whatever that they might do that Lord and if, even if there's no accolades in anyone else around them, let them know that they've done that as unto you Lord, bless this church community. Bless this family in Jesus' mighty name.